we want to give a let's give a excited warm welcome to our guest this morning, David, David Wagner. Well, good morning. And uh, some of you looks like we were just here a couple minutes ago. Uh, and uh, if you were here last night, we went to 11 something. Uh, but uh, you've chose to come out on Sunday morning, which means it's Sunday morning, which will turn into Sunday afternoon. And I don't have anywhere else to be till six tonight. So um, hope you brought a sack lunch. No. Uh, in the Sunday morning crowd, you got to be more careful and more holy. I, I somehow I got away with not wearing a suit and tie because I gave my tithes and offerings, and so it's, I'll be here all week, you just keep, keep, keep laughing, and as long as nobody comes up and slaps me like Chris Rock, I'll be okay, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's why I'm moving over here, I, I, I like Steve, I just don't trust him, I don't always know how to read him, you know what I mean, uh, and um, so, uh, but what a great honor and privilege to be in the house of the Lord, that's what David said, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. Because he knew that his destiny was in the house of God. He knew that his identity was in the house of God. And he knew that his inheritance was in the house of God. You know, I've, um, uh, I've passionately, my wife and I have passionately raised our kids in the church. And uh, I've told, begun to tell them something. I don't know if they necessarily like it. But I say, if you want uh, your inheritance, you have to go to church. Here's what David did. He said that I have set my affection on the house of God and I've given more than anybody else to see it built. He, he told Solomon, your inheritance is in the house. And, and when you understand that, that there is, I'm not just talking about natural resources. I'm not just talking about finances and gold and, and all of those things, although that's a part of it. But when you realize that there is actually a spiritual inheritance that the Lord has laid up for us, which is filled with miracles, it's filled with his provision, it's filled with signs and wonders, it's filled with revelation, and that you actually step into it. So this morning, you didn't come to church, you actually stepped into your inheritance. You actually stepped into what the Lord's been preparing for you before the foundation of the earth. We, we are living in amazing days. There's a lot of people, even a lot of preachers, that are preaching, we're, we're living in unprecedented days, difficult days, dangerous days. But if you have prophetic eyes to see through the eternal, you'll realize that you're actually living in amazing days. There has never been a time like this time in the history of man to be alive serving Jesus and declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe right now that we are in a place where the Lord is not decreasing, he's not backing up, he's not lifting his hand, he's not removing his presence from the earth, but actually the mercy of God is releasing the miraculous, that actually the love of God is releasing conviction, that even in the midst of the crazy, the Lord still knows how to bring order into chaos. And I believe that even in what it seems like there's chaos in the nations and chaos even in our own country sometimes, the, the Lord is saying that, that it, out of these moments that the Lord is about to do something new, he's going to do something powerful. One of my favorite scriptures is Habakkuk 1 verse 5. It says, look among the nations and be utterly astounded that even if I were to tell you a thing, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. 
I'll put it in modern day English. If you have a, if you have a, a if you are kind of pessimistic or you have maybe a, a, a darker view of what's happening right now, you'll read that and you'll go, there's so many bad things happening, I can't even wrap my mind around it. But if you actually have the eyes of the kingdom and realize that Jesus was born into a moment like this, that the early church actually was born and birthed and exploded in a time like this in the earth, you would read it like this. God, look among the nations. God is doing so many amazing things that I can't even wrap my mind about it because it is mind-blowing that every time I look, he's showing up here and he's healing somebody and he's, he, he's, he's winning the hardest of hearts and he's, he's turning the hearts of nations. See, I believe we have to understand that although there are wars and rumors of wars and things that Jesus said that you would see before the end would come, he also said, and the gospel will be preached to every nation. He also talks about a victorious church. And can I tell you something, that when I look around the world today and I, I see a church almost in hiding, a church that is almost apologetic, a church that is somehow shrinking back, it, it tells me something that we quite haven't, we not quite become yet what God's called us to be, and that is the, to be the, the glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Which tells me this, that there is a remnant in the earth that the Lord is saying, occupy till I come, hold your ground. And I believe that destiny is one of those churches that you've, you, you've you stood your ground and you've occupied until he comes. But I also believe there's another part of that prophetic word, which is simply saying you're not just standing your ground and you're not just holding the line, but you're actually advancing into the darkness. I, I love this thought that the gates of hell are stationary, but the kingdom of God is always advancing. In other words, the enemy is gone as far as he can go. I think you have to understand that. I think sometimes we make the devil out to be uh, bigger than he is, more powerful than he is, instead of actually realizing that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I believe that there, there is a key to living uh, in a place of victory. And in that place, it is actually discovering and learning how to live in the fullness of God. How many of the Lord didn't, how many know that the Lord doesn't just give you what you need to get you through this, to get you through the day, but, but he actually wants to fill you to the place of overflowing. I think a lot of people live their Christian life like my wife drives her car. <laughs> with, with a little yellow light on that says low fuel level. <laughs> and, and so, you know, my wife, my daughter does the same thing. She doesn't want to stand there at the pump and fill up. I think they're afraid to see that it's going to go up, you know, to how much it's going to cost. And so, you know, how many know $5 of gas don't get you around town very long anymore, right? You used to put $5 in, you could drive around all night with your buddies. But, but now, like, and so, you know, it's just like keeping it above E until I get into it, right? Then El Shaday fills it up. And, and. But, but, but the thing is this, we, we kind of live like that. We, we come in and we carry all of our stuff. We try to make it to the weekend. We get all of our chores done on Saturday. We, we come into, into church. We get encouraged. We hear a, a good word. We get challenged a little bit. And then we just kind of run the tank out again until Friday. But really, I believe this, that the Lord has called us to live continually filled. I don't think we fully recognize what we and who we have access to. Let me say that again. I believe that we don't fully recognize or realize what and who we have access to. He's not the God who measures. He's the God who pours. 
So in other words, he's not just going around saying, you know what, I'm going to give you a little bit, I'm going to give you a little bit, and I'm just going to try to get you to Wednesday, and then I'll fill you up again. But, but he's saying, I, can, I want you to live in this place that is continually filled and saturated with the presence of God. Paul tells Timothy, stay in the steady stream of the presence of God. I think we have to, 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 to actually change our mindset from churchianity to kingdom living, to, to actually being kingdom-centric in the, in the things of God. Here's what I'm talking about. The fact of the matter is, is that the kingdom is in operation in my life 24-7. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 19, that indeed the kingdom of heaven is within you. But here's what I believe that we do often. We're, we're waiting for something to come from without instead of tapping to what's already within. Does that make sense to you? That I'm waiting for somebody to lay hands on me. I'm waiting for somebody to give me a prophetic word. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me what I actually already know to do. And I never realize how to stir up the gift on the inside of me. See, see there is an awakening that's coming. And you will know that you're awake because you're going to have a hunger you've never had before. Is anybody just finding yourself to be hungry for God in a new way? You know, the enemy tries to come and, and kind of get us to let go of that hunger and actually shift into convenience. So, so we'll actually fill up on the appetizer and never get to the main course of, of the glory of God. I, I believe that another way that you know that you're awake is that there is a, a stirring that you've never felt before. I'm telling you right now that if you're not stirred up by the things of God in, in the midst of everything that's happening in the world, that, that the Lord wants to, to stir you up. How many know that uh, over the last two years uh, that we've gone through a shaking, right? Hebrews says, and, and, and Haggai says that once more it is a little while that I've come to shake the heavens and the earth. Is the shaking to shake the earth or is the shaking to actually get rid of everything else so that the unshakable kingdom can remain? Here's what the prophetic does. It comes to shake everything in you that's not like Jesus so that Jesus remains. So all the worry, all the care. God wants you so filled that anxiety can't reside in there, that fear can't reside in there, that depression and addiction can't reside in there, that hopelessness can't reside in there, that anxiety can't control you because you are so filled with the presence of God, there's no access point to the other stuff. And I'm telling you, it's not just wishful thinking and it's not just some super spiritual thought and I, I, idea, but it is actually the heartbeat of heaven. Look among the nations, be utterly astounded that even if I were to tell you a thing, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. I'm telling you right now, if you think that, that, uh, that, that what you're, you're watching on Fox News and CNN and uh, BSNBC and all of those things. <laughs> sometimes I amaze myself. <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're watching all that stuff and we're going, oh my goodness, it's so bad. We don't realize that actually from this word of God, from the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, that we're actually the answer to that. When the Lord wants to anoint you as counter-terrorists. The Lord wants to anoint you to terrorize the enemy that every time your feet hit the ground in the morning, every time that you wake up, every time you call on the name of Jesus, he shrinks back and shrinks back and shrinks back. I believe that we're living in a, an amazing season to watch the fulfillment of Habakkuk 2, verse 14. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. H how does that happen? Is it going to be glory clouds and rainbows and gold dust circumnavigating the globe? 
it's a great picture, but really how the glory of God covers the earth, the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth like the waters cover the sea as you start testifying about what God's done in your life. So I start talking about how God's healed me, how God set me free, how God found me in the darkest place of my life, how the Lord showed up and healed my son's arm, and how when he was born dead, God raised him to life again. You start talking about all the good things, and the next thing you know, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. My mom just went home to be with the Lord on uh, November 14th of last year. And a couple nights before she passed, she had this visitation of Jesus. And she would stop in these moments and she would just go, oh. and, and I was like, what's happening? And she goes, oh, can you imagine? I'm about to see his face. I'm about to see him face to face. And one night she does that and she said, I just saw him. And, and she has this encounter with the Lord. And the Lord showed her the power of his blood. And she said, she said, he showed me just that one drop of his blood is enough to cover a multitude of sins and to cover the earth. And she said, David, God's put a mandate on your life to cover the earth. And you need to tell the church that it's time to cover the earth. Can I tell you something? Destiny Church, that there is a mandate on your lives. There's a, a mandate on this house to cover the earth to cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, to cover the earth with the knowledge of the goodness of God. Come on, aren't you glad that, that we're actually the answer to all of the stuff that's happening? See, if you don't have Jesus and you don't have hope in this season, you will look at everything that's happening and you, you, you will look at it as through agony, gloom, and despair. But the Lord's bubbling up with faith, hope, and love in this season. John 16 and 33 says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. How many know that, that, that peace isn't the absence of conflict? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not everything is just peachy and rosy. But, it, but it's actually realizing that I have the Prince of Peace on the inside of me. And that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. That there's nothing that the enemy can do that, that can actually uh, get rid of what God's placed on the inside of me. Aren't you glad for that? That he is the Prince of Peace. He is peace. Can, can we come to the understanding that we got the total package? I tell my wife that every day, but in a different context. But she, <laughs> she, she doesn't believe me. She, I keep telling her, keep prophesying those things that are not as though they were. But, but, <laughs> but we have the total package in Jesus. Like you didn't just get a little and you didn't get a little, but, but actually all of him living in all of us. So the Prince of Peace has taken up residency on the inside of me. It's why Paul had this confidence when he said, the Lord is on my side, what can man do to me? The Lord is with me, who, of who am I going to be afraid? There's something about knowing that. Here's what I, I'm trying to do with, you, to, to, with us this morning. Is I really need you to know. Not, not just hear, not just think, not just comprehend, not just discuss, but you really actually need to know that the scripture works. You, you really actually need to know that the scripture actually really works, that it's actually your truth. There's things around your life that may be true, but it's probably not truth, right? It, it's true that I had pain in my knees. That, that was true, but, but, but the truth is Jesus is my healer, Right? It's, there's things that we walk through in life that are true. We, it would be foolish to deny that things are happening. 
But the truth is that he's the healer, he's the deliverer, he's the savior, he, he, he's my peace, he's my victory. And when you comprehend that and realize it, it's not just some cute little story or things that we, we, we speak, but it's actually the truth and the reality of who God is. In me, you may have peace. The shalom of God, nothing missing and nothing broken. He said, in this world, in the world, you will have tribulation. Not the great tribulation. He's not talking about that there. He's saying in this life, there's going to be all kinds of pressures, trials, and tests that come. But be of good cheer. In other words, laugh about it. When the enemy starts firing things at you and, and you've got stress and your husband ain't acting right. Now the men are like, hit the women next. <laughs> Bro, I ain't that dumb. <laughs> right? <laughs> Come back, Holy Spirit. Should have taken that second offering earlier. Uh, and right? He's saying, be of good cheer. When this stuff happens, laugh about it. Well, Dave, I don't believe that. Well, you should believe it. Because he's reassuring something that was spoken earlier in the scripture in Psalm chapter 2. Why do nation rage and kings plot a vain thing? For he who sits in the, in the, in the heavens shall laugh. In other words, while Putin is putting around. <laughs> and Rocket Man is testing ballistic missiles. And China's doing whatever China's doing. And all kinds of craziness is happening in Iran and all of those things. The Lord is actually going there. I, and, and pain and suffering is not, I'm not laughing at that. I understand that there's pain and suffering. I'm not making light of that. But what I'm saying to you is this, that uh, while, the, while, while uh, evil men are conspiring and making their plan against the nations and against God himself, the Lord is laughing because he's saying, your, your plans are no effect. You knock it down, I'll build it back great. I'll build it back greater. You try to wipe it out, and I will restore greater than you've ever seen or known before. Be of good cheer. You should actually be excited in this moment that you're living in. Because in the midst of the suffering, you're carrying healing. In the midst of all of the bondage that's taking place, that you're actually carrying deliverance. Be of good cheer. Why does he say that? He said, because I have overcome the world. How many know that you're not just walking through and trying to survive through this life, that the very nature of Jesus on the inside of you, the one who's overcome the world, the one who's overcome death and hell and the grave that we'll be celebrating over the next two weeks, is, is living and alive on the inside of you. And so the one who's overcome has overcome on your behalf, but he's also overcoming in you. I'm preaching better than anyone's responding. Matthew 24 and 12, and it says, because of offense. If you want to know what's happening in the earth right now, this is probably the most up-to-date current Bible prophecy, right? Uh, Matthew 24 and 12, and it says, because of offense, the love of many will wax cold. We're watching people lose their passion. We're watching people do something really crazy, even in the church world today, in this movement of, of deconstruction. 
where people are deconstructing their faith and, and they're saying, I don't believe this anymore and this is this. And can I tell you something? They can try to deconstruct it if they, if, if they want to, but the truth of who God is as one who, uh, who builds is about to rise. Here's what I would tell you, that, that we do not have the luxury to be offended in this season. I don't have the luxury of being offended or walking in unforgiveness in this season. I can't control what people say about me. I can't control what people do to me or have done to me. But I cannot control, I cannot allow that to actually uh, change my focus and my mind on the, uh, on the God who is good and who loves people. I just believe there, there is an anointing that the Lord is inviting us, uh, giving us an invitation to live without offense and regret. Here's what I feel like the Lord is saying after this season that we've been through. Let the eternal speak to the internal. Let the eternal, let the God of eternity get per, eternal perspective, get eternal eyes to see your circumstance and situation that way. Let what God is doing, let who he is speak to the, all of the internal questioning and tension on the inside. Does that make sense to you? I need heaven's eyes in this season. I need to think like heaven in this moment that we're living in. Not just as a prophetic voice, not just as a preacher, but as a Christian, as, as a member of the body of Christ. I need to see what heaven is seeing. And I need to hear what he heaven is hearing or, or saying. And I need to speak what, what heaven is speaking. I believe it is key and essential in this season. Here's a really good word for you. The Lord wants to take the church from lamentation to celebration. We've all been through something in the last two years. I think there's grief that's hit the body of Christ where we've grieved what was, we grieved what could have been, we grieved the time that we couldn't be together, we've grieved maybe moments that we thought we lost traction, and the Lord wants to turn us from lamentation to celebration. Come on, I believe it, it's so key. If you'll understand that many times you'll get a lamentation before you even get revelation. You, you'll walk through something, and as you walk through that, out of it the Lord speaks. The, the Lord comforts. The Lord gives you instruction to go further than ever before. But I believe the season of lamentation is over, and the season of celebration has begun. I believe that we're stepping into a season where the Lord is asking us a question. I, I said this phrase last night. What if you already are who you always wanted to be? What if you already are who you always wanted to be? I know it sounds like a riddle, but it's not. You already are and have the potential to be everything that God's created you to be right now in this moment. How do you initiate it? How do you activate it? You choose it. I've discovered this, that often the will of God is everything I never knew I always wanted. I never knew I always wanted to come to Ashby, Minnesota <laughs> where it snows in April. Often, the, often the, the promises of God, the, the plan of the Lord, the destiny of God, 
the dream that God has for my life is everything I never knew I always wanted. And when you begin to discover that and you begin to, to lay your hopes, your dreams, your desires on the altar, I think so many times we're afraid to do that because we don't fully realize or comprehend that even though that seems good, what God has for us is even greater. I believe this, you're stepping into a season that's fully furnished. That everything that God calls you to comes fully furnished. I remember I was stepping out into ministry and giving my salary back to the church and, uh, and, and just stepping out in faith. And I remember sitting with Pastor Ballinger in Pensacola in his office. And I said, you know, Pastor, this is a little nerve-wracking for me. I'm, I'm stepping out in faith and, and wife and at that point, you know, three kids and you know, and I was, uh, you know, somewhat afraid of, of, of if the finances didn't come in. And when I said, you know, what do you think about that? And he just started laughing at me, which I didn't appreciate. And he said, you know, everything that God called you to comes fully furnished. I've realized this, that the Lord always knows how to fund the gospel. He, he always knows how to, to, create, uh, to, to create resources for the evangelist, to create resources to build what he wants to build in the earth. And that means that we don't live in, according to the world's standards. So there's no inflation in heaven. There's no recession in heaven. And when you understand that, that that's amazing. I love this scripture in the time that we're living in, Matthew 28 and 20. It says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Some of us right now are in this season. I was with somebody that's very near and dear to my heart. They were walking through something. And they were, they were walking through this phase of, of anger and grief. And they were actually provoking me, like trying to get me to argue with them. And their statement was, where is God? Where is my God? Where? Like somehow God left them and they had to walk through this and everything they were walking through was God's fault. And I said, he's with you and he's never left you or forsaken you, even when you feel like this. And all of a sudden, that person just got completely disarmed and the love of God just, just put them in a pool of mush. Because God is greater than our anger. He's greater than our unbelief. He's greater than even the things that we're feeling and we want to blame him for. And he'll come and crash in with his goodness. Isn't that good? I think that's amazing. He, I am with you always, even when you're not acting right. I'm with you always, even in your darkest day. I have a prophetic word for you. This is a season of crossing over from what was into what is and what has never been yet. I feel like there is a Joshua chapter 3 anointing coming upon Destiny Church. There are times, there are seasons where it feels like maybe we should have been there sooner. But there comes a day where the Lord says, now's the appointed time and it's time to cross over. I love what happens in, in Joshua chapter 3. The Lord says, you know what, tomorrow I want you to consecrate the elders. I want, to get every, I want you to get everybody ready. It's time to cross over. So he consecrates the elders. As they begin to, to move forward, he gives this instruction. Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant because you've never been this way before. Let me give it to you in modern day English. Keep your eyes on the presence of God because you've never been this way before more than ever before in our life, that we must keep our eyes on the presence of God because we have never been this way before. 
It may look similar. It may look like maybe it's happened, but, but we are going into a place that we have never been this way before. And the only marker that we have, the only way that we know that we're going in the right direction is that the presence of God is before us. Come on, I believe that there is a season of crossing over. In Mark chapter 4, I love this story. Jesus uh, is trying, he's, he's ministered uh, for hours and hours. He's had marathon meetings in Ashby, Minnesota, and uh, he wants to go across Elbow Lake. New International Day version. Now, Jesus is ministering among the multitudes. How many know he's fully God, but he's also fully man? So the God in him is soaring, but the man in him is tired. And he wants to go, and he wants to be with his friends, and he wants to be with the Father. And the crowd keeps thronging him. So he says, come, let us go to the other side. So they hop in a boat, and there's a bunch of little boats that are following. And a storm comes out of nowhere. Remember the story? <coughs> and the storm comes out of nowhere. And we... It's not said that it hits the little boats. It just says it hits the boats where Jesus and the disciples are in. And so the wind's blowing, the rain's crashing in. The, 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 the boat is filling with, with water. But when Jesus got on the boat, he went to the stern and he went to sleep. The storm comes, the boat's filling with water. The disciples are in a predicament that they've never experienced and they don't know how to navigate. And in the, in the midst of it, they think somehow Jesus has failed them or forgotten them. So after a while, they go and they find Jesus in the stern of the boat, and they say, can you believe this guy's sleeping at a time like this? And he, they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're perishing? Duh, he's in the same boat. He's going through the same storm. He's experiencing the same symptoms, the same rain, the same wind, the same waves. Yet he's not moved in the same way they're moved. He's resting while they're fretting. And Jesus kind of wakes up and goes, you know, I used to think he came up like Superman and just jumped and goes, peace be still. But the more I reflect on it, I think he did this. Coffee, please. Oh, little rain, little wind, waves. Get some buckets, boys. Peace be still. And immediately the wind stops and the rain stops and the waves stop. And he asks them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? I used to read it like this. He's rebuking them like, you have no faith. You're a wimpy Christian. But he's actually saying, where's your faith? He's saying, faith is a person. I'm your faith. And I'm right here in the midst of the storm. And they get freaked out. And they go, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He decides, hey, we still need to get to the other side. He's still trying to get to rest. Do you understand that? So you turn the page to Mark chapter 5. It's a pretty cool story. They finally get to the other side. There's a man who, who is demonized. 
He runs around naked. They have him in chains and shackles, and he breaks the chains. He lives in the tomb. He lives in the tombs, and he lives in the hills. And everybody's grown to expect and to actually accept the fact that this guy is crazy and demonized. Let's just call him naked, crazy guy. Naked, crazy, demonized guy, okay? And he's living in these hills among dead people, and he's got power, and he's shackled, and he sees Jesus coming. And before Jesus is even off the boat, the man comes, the man with demons comes, and he falls down on his face and worships the Lord. He's tormented, but he recognizes a moment. He's there. The, the demons are present in his life, right? Here's what I love about this. This is how relational Jesus is. Jesus asks him, what's your name? I've always heard it preached, and I've actually been guilty of preaching it like this, that Jesus starts talking to the demons right away, like, what's your name? It doesn't say that. It says, and he asked him, what is your name? He, he was saying, listen, dude, you're naked. You're demonized. You're tormented. Everybody's afraid of you, but you're valuable to me. Just think about that for a moment. And he said, what is your name? And the demons start talking. And they say, we are legion because we're very many. And all of a sudden, the demons start talking to Jesus. They said, hey, Jesus, there's some pigs over there. Don't, don't send us back to the abyss. Don't send us back to where we came from. Just put us in the pigs. Now, just ponder this for a moment. That if you've ever been to Israel or Jordan where this is, you will not find any pigs because pigs are unclean. It is my perspective, it's my opinion, the way that I read it or I'm, I'm processing it, is that miraculously, Jesus actually created pigs to cast demons into. So he answers the prayers, listen to this, he answers the prayer of the demons and he puts the demons in the pigs and the swine go running off of the hill and they jump into the water. What was that body of water they just jumped into? The very body of water that Jesus just spoke peace into. And peace is your power. And when you have the peace of God, it will drown every demon you face. When you have the peace of God that passes all understanding, when you have the Prince of Peace operating in your life, you, you, may, be you, you may be facing all kinds of, uh, of demonic attack. You may be facing all kinds of circumstances in life. And the Lord will actually say, I'm about to drown all of that stuff in the peace that I'm establishing for you in what you thought was the greatest storm of your life you didn't know how to get out of. And he says, peace be still. Just think about that. That's pretty cool, right? All of a sudden, all the townspeople come around and they go, hey, Jesus, we knew what to do with this guy when he was manifesting the demons. And we knew to avoid him and we were actually comfortable with him in his bondage. But this is way too much God in church. And we would, we would really appreciate if you don't interrupt our systems and our comfort and if you'll just hop back in that boat of yours and just go somewhere else. 
And Jesus answers the prayer of the religious and the townspeople. As he's getting in the boat to leave, the guy who just gets delivered comes back to him. I think he's dressed by then. And he goes, Jesus, please let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. I need you to stay here. And I want you to tell everybody what happened to you. So in a short amount of time, the man went from naked, crazy, demonized guy to an evangelist. Was it five minutes, ten minutes, an hour? I don't know. But that's how Jesus operates. In the midst of him wanting rest, in the, in, in the midst of him wanting to be refreshed, and in, in his father's presence and hanging out with his friends, there always comes these, this need for ministry. And he doesn't dodge it. He doesn't hide from it. He actually allows who he is to speak to everything around him. He's not ministering from convenience. He's ministering from identity. And that pours out no matter how tired he is or or, or how inconvenient it is. A few years ago in Tulsa, a friend of mine planted a church because Tulsa needed another church. (laughs) And we were doing this, this... deal on the, on the gifts and person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was before service, and me and the pastor were in the little kitchenette, and we were drinking some coffee and hanging out, and there was a commotion. And what happened is there was a, a couple that was been with the church from the time it got planted, and another couple, it was their first night there, and uh, they'd gone out to eat dinner before the service, and, and uh, as they were driving from dinner to the church, they saw a man walking down the street. And the people in the back seat actually recognized the, 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 the guy walking down the road as somebody that they worked with. So they say, hey, do you want to invite him to church? And they say, sure, and, and he gets in. So he gets into the car with them, and as soon as they pull away from the curb, they realize there's a huge problem. This man was three sheets to the wind drunk. He had vomited on his shirt. He had urinated on himself. And so he was actually in no condition. He, he didn't look church-worthy. And so the people in the front seat are kind of freaking out. Like, I can't believe these people uh, would invite invite him. And these people in the back seat are like, I can't believe we're inviting him. And now they're never going to invite us again. And and so the the wives are texting back and forth. And they come up with this plan like, we can't just kick him out of the car. That would be wrong. So we're going to get him to the church. And there's a lost and found there because of the school that was there. And we'll get him some clothes and cleaned up. And we'll get him in an Uber or a cab. And we'll get him uh, out of here. Well, they pull into the church parking lot, and this young man has a different thought. He opens the door, comes running into the church, comes to the foyer, hooks a, a right, comes running into the, uh, in, into the altar, and falls on his face and just starts weeping. An elder comes and puts his arm around, tries to console him, comfort him, realizes that it's now 6.20, and church is going to start in 10 minutes, and you can't have a drunk filled with vomit and urine guy in the front of the church. So they bring him back to the kitchenette. I'm standing there and, uh, with the pastor. They bring the guy in, and I say, Hey, man, how you doing? What's your name? And the elder says, Don't worry, Brother Dave. We got this under control. We're going to you know, get him cleaned up in some clothes and a cab and a cup of coffee and get him on his way. So that's not what I asked. I said, What's your name? And the guy goes, My name is Christopher Acornstock, Native American Cherokee Indian. I said, Hey, Christopher, I'm David J. Wagner. I didn't say that. I just... <laughs> Uh, I said, I'm David, and uh, how would you like to be my guest of honor tonight? 
He said, sure, accepted the invitation. He sits on the front row, center aisle. While I'm speaking, this dude is falling out uh, of his seat, not under the power of God, but because he's drunk, All right? I'm teaching, and he's burping. He's uh, doing other bodily functions that I won't talk about because it's Sunday morning. Um, and, and occasionally, it's almost like it's Tourette's-like, and he just screams out like dirty words. He's, he, you know, he, he's, he's drunk. He's obviously been tormented. And, and I'm, 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 I'm teaching through this, and you're watching church people squirm. Who let this guy in here? Why aren't they doing anything? Why is nobody taking him out? I can't believe that Wagner actually invited him to sit on the front row. And he's and Wagner's just ignored him. Why don't I? And everybody is uncomfortable. It was actually kind of fun. <laughs> and this is all happening, and the Lord starts giggling in my ear. You ever hear the Lord laugh? And the Lord goes, isn't it great? And I said, I think so. No, isn't it great? Goes, yeah, Lord, what's so great about it? Isn't it great? He doesn't know how to behave in church yet. I finished the session. I said, Christopher, you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, sure. I made him lift his hands because unless it looks like you're being held up at gunpoint, it doesn't take, you know. And so he lifts his hands. He, he prays the prayer. And immediately the power of God hits him and three demons come screaming out. He gets delivered. All of a sudden he gets up off the floor. He goes, hey, where'd my buzz go? Where'd my buzz go? Ah, forget it. This is better. And, and, and he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a little freaked out and partially offended because I'm not teaching on tongues until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> so, you know, look, th this guy is, is drunk. He's demonized. Just think about it for a moment. He's kind of disruptive. He doesn't know how to act in church yet. And in a moment, he gets born again, delivered, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Five minutes later dude starts singing a prophetic word over me. And now he's really messing with my theology. I'm not even teaching on prophecy until 4 o'clock on Saturday. And this dude is just, he gets the total download all at once. We, we go to IHOP. We're done being spiritual. We didn't go to International House of Prayer. We went to International House of Pancakes. And we invite him with us. And so we go there. He tells us the story that his Parents were killed in a car crash two weeks prior, and his brother was uh, working on a, in a tire shop, and a, a tire exploded and killed him the day before. So he was the only one left in his family, and he was actually just trying to drink enough courage to kill himself when this couple invited him to church. Now, Christopher had never been to church, never watched church on TV, never had any kind of church experience. And he gets invited to church, and he thinks it's another bar. He runs in, he said, I can't explain it. I just ran in expecting to find a bar, but I found myself weeping in the front of this building. So he gives his life to the Lord. He gets set free. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, starts prophesying. We go to IHOP. We're sitting there. I'm still wondering about him because he orders Rudy Tutti fresh and fruity. Right? So I wish some restaurants would just use normal things, like I would like some pancakes with strawberries and whipped cream. Like, I will never order Rudy Tutti fresh and fruity. Because I just don't like to say it. Same thing at Denny's. Why do I want to have to? Why do I have to order moons over my hammy? Why can't I just ask for eggs and ham on an English muffin? 
They do it to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't buy the lie. Right? And, and so, you know, we're, we're there. We're, we order our food and we're, we're drinking coffee. And this group of guys, about 12, 13 of them, come in and they're drunk and belligerent and they sit at this big table and they're like blowing the, the, the straw paper at the waitress. They're cussing her out. They're, they're carrying on and the manager's actually getting ready to go over there and kick them out. But all of a sudden, Christopher goes, excuse me a minute. And Christopher gets up and he walks over to their table and he puts his hands over on the table and he starts talking to them. Next thing you know, I'm watching these guys start weeping and he has these guys lift their hands. They say the sinner's prayer and behave themselves the rest of the night. He came back to the table and said, what happened, Christopher? He said, oh, he said, they were just dealing with the same stuff I was dealing with, so I just told them what happened to me, and, and they got it, so I just made them do what you did to me. Uh, and <laughs> so get, okay, within maybe an hour and 20 minutes, went from drunk and demonized to born again, set free, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesying, and now he's an evangelist. The next morning, we showed up at 9.30 for the, the final day of the seminar, and Christopher and 40 of his newest friends are at the front door. Some of them have grass in their hair. They're, they have rocks, you know, like cuts and scrapes with rocks stuck in their knees. And so Christopher, man, what happened? He said, I was too excited to go to sleep, so I just went to where I used to go, and I found the people that were like me. If they were too drunk to walk here, I just rolled them here. And his whole ministry began by rolling drunks. He doubled the size of the church in one night. Now, I believe training is important. You should go to you know, schools of ministry and Bible college, be a part of a local church. But sometimes God does things to actually just mess with us. He actually does things to go, hey, I'm sovereign. I asked the Lord about it, and the Lord said, oh, he, I had to give it to him all at once. Because his life was so on the edge, I had to give it to him all at once. You know, it was too much for that church to handle because they wanted to be a nice family church. And it didn't fit into their theology. And, their, and here's what I'm telling you. Don't get mad at me when I say this. God wants to send us people who don't know how to behave in church yet. It doesn't have to be on that extreme. Doesn't have to be, but, but what I'm telling you is this, that, that the Lord is about to send us people that, that may have never had that experience with God yet. But when he sends them to us, you, you've got to be ready to receive them. But also you've got to learn how to celebrate them when they're actually, their faith, their hunger, the grace, the gift of God on them uh, exceeds that. Does that make sense to you? Here's, I'll try to wrap this up as fast as I can which means you got about 35 minutes. <laughs> so this is a pretty cool miracle, right? Naked, crazy guy becomes an evangelist. Jesus makes him stay there. Jesus is still trying to get some rest. He tells the disciples, hey, let's go. They land again, and here comes Jairus, ruler of the synagogue. He's a man of great clout, great stature. He has political Power. He has uh, religious power. Everybody knows him in town, right? It's a pretty amazing thing. And he risks his whole reputation because his daughter is sick at the point of death and nobody can help her. He leaves home. I'm sure his wife wasn't very happy that, that, that he left her with the dying daughter. 
goes to Jesus. He takes a risk. He, he finds Jesus at the boat and said, uh, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, my daughter is sick even to the point of death, but if you'll come with me, I know you'll make her well. And Jesus is like, I was tired. I was actually going to go through the drive-thru over there, get something to eat and hang out with my friends for a bit. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to go with you. So he begins to follow Jairus. They start walking towards Jairus' house. As they're going, they, they, they hit a big multitude of people. People are thronging him from every side. All of a sudden, this woman with the issue of blood comes up in the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, the, the flow of her blood stops. Jesus goes, hey, what happened? I've never felt anything like that before. Disciples are like, what are you talking about? I've perceived that power went out from me and I'm not moving until I find out who touched me. Peter, James, John, everybody's tapping him. I'm touching you, yeah, you're touching, everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? No, I felt something I never felt before. And the woman comes back, falls at his feet, tells him the whole truth. How many know it's Jairus' turn or Jairus' time? But it's this woman's turn. And his miracle gets interrupted. And you could look at it and go, that's so mean. You could look at it and go, oh my goodness. Here's a man on the way to a miracle, and now somebody interrupted that miracle. The woman gets healed. Jesus says, be healed and restored to health, which is pretty amazing. The story continues. He says, come on, now we can go. And as soon as they start moving again, Jairus' friends come running and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jesus goes, don't listen to that. She's not dead, just sleeping. Don't listen to that. They, they keep moving. Don't, don't be afraid. Just believe. They keep moving towards his house. They get to his house, and there's people wailing and all kinds of drama and trauma taking place in the front yard. And Jesus said, what's all this about? Why all of this commotion? And they're, the daughter's dead. If you got here earlier, all these things. And Jesus put them out. He, he said, simply don't listen to that. See, people are always drawn to other people's traumas and dramas because then they don't have to deal with their own. And, and Jesus just speaks to them. And he, he puts them out and he says, hey, only people with faith can come in the room with me. And he speaks to her in Aramaic, little girl, rise up, and she comes forth. Why, why am I sharing all of these stories together? Here's why. It's a prophetic picture of what God's about to do in the life of Destiny Church and the life of every believer who will actually be willing to go for it. That you're about to walk in a greater dimension of, of, of seeing deliverance. You're about to watch people be accelerated in their growth. That you're about to see ministries birth. And it seems like even out of the impossible situations, God's going to come. There's going to be things that seem like they inconvenience you or things that are interrupting the normal flow of things. But on the other side of it, there's miracle after miracle after miracle. Are you hearing me? I believe that the Lord is about to release a Mark 5 anointing upon Destiny Church and that you're going to hit that thing straight on like a bullseye. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? This isn't just a preaching and a sermon this morning, but this is a prophetic word for the house of God. I believe the Lord is stirring something up in us. I believe there's this, this fresh infusion of faith that the Lord wants to release to us. Because okay, we're not just trying to make it through until Jesus comes again. 
but we're actually bringing the kingdom into the places of darkness. We're actually bringing the kingdom into, into the darkest place, in the darkest night. Either that's just a song, you can light it up, you're the God of revival, or it's actually the, the cadence call, it's actually the call, the cry of our hearts in this season. Can anybody relate today? Here, here's what I believe. That we are actually at the threshold of one of the greatest opportunities we've ever had. There's never been a time like this time. There's never been a moment like this moment in human history or in church history. I think you need to know how special you are. Sometimes we, we equate revival to stadiums packed with people and, and amazing events. But if you study church history, you'll find that, that God shows up in the middle of somewhere. He shows up among farmers and miners. He shows up in small towns, among blue-collar workers, some who don't talk right, some that don't always act right. And he finds them and he gives them something to believe in. And he stirs up faith and, and, and their life becomes so different you can't talk them out of the experience that they've had. And I believe, listen to me, that we're about to watch revivals and renewals poured out all over rural America. And there are things, there are these places of remnants. They are cities of refuge. They are places of refuge where the Lord is saying, I've, I've secured this place in the Spirit. See, there's a reason why you had to fight what you had to fight 40 years ago. There's a reason you had to fight what you had to fight over the last few decades. There's a reason you had to fight for what you had to fight for. And it wasn't just about establishing something. It was about for what would come in this moment and this time. And when you begin to tell the stories of how God came and, 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 and the meetings that took place and how people found you in, in the middle of a cornfield and all of those things, suddenly faith begins to rise. See, this is one of the greatest hours of significance. I feel like the Lord is saying, welcome to one of the greatest hours of significance in human history. Jesus is taking center stage. Jesus is taking center stage. I have a friend right now ministering in, 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 in Lviv, Ukraine. He's been there all weekend. And 150 pastors are just there crying out their cities. They're, they're ministering to people. They're, they're, they're seeing thousands of people come to Jesus. We're not hearing it on the news. What's happening there is difficult. It is horrible. The atrocities, the, the war crimes are, 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 are crazy. I also know pastors in Russia that are crying out for revival in Russia and the, and the reparations and the restoration of Ukraine. And we're watching it from a distance and we're trying to figure it out from political perspective. But I know people that are in the midst of it that are looking at it from a, a prophetic perspective. That when darkness gets darker, the light always shines brighter. Are you hearing me? This is our Isaiah 60 season. Arise and shine for the light has come. It's not just about waking up, it's about getting up. Arise and shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And although darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the people. Let me challenge you on something. Isaiah 60. 
If you read through it, there's only one negative part of the scripture in verse 2. So it says, Arise and shine, for the light has come. How many know that's good? And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's amazing. It says, And although darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the people. It's the only negative thing. It's a, you're going to see darkness covering the earth, gross darkness, perverse wickedness. That's what he's talking about. Cover the earth. When you see that happening, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. So this is actually your time to shine. This is actually your time to emerge. It's not just enough to be angry about it. It's not just enough to talk about it. It's not just enough to say that's not right. We actually have to be moved to a place of action to actually pray and to engage the society and the culture around us. And when you do that and you walk into a place and you operate in the light in the midst of the darkness, how many know the darkness dissipates? We've got to get rid of the underdog mentality of the church. That somehow I'm just passing through and we're just trying to make her. No. Where are those that have been bought with a price? We, we, we are the children. We are the army of God. We are those that are called and chosen for such a time as this in this hour. And there's no shrinking back. There's no backing up because we're moving forward. Uh, I believe right now the Lord is calling the church to action. If just half of this room wins one person to Jesus this week, if just half of this room starts praying, finding somebody with, with sickness and starts praying, can you imagine the growth of the church, the testimonies, the miracles that will happen? I'm not telling us to do ministry in the flesh. I'm simply saying the Lord has, has given so much rich teaching and equipping over the years. And it's not just about coming together on Sundays in special meetings, but it's actually about taking what, we, what we're carrying and carrying it forth to, to this country and to the nation and the nations of the earth. Come on, we weren't just saved so that when we die, we can go to heaven. We were created to bring heaven to earth. I'll say it again how I started. We are living in one of the greatest days the earth has ever seen. It's not because there's absence of conflict. Because you were created for this moment. Come on, the, the Lord knew that you would be alive in this moment. He's not giving you more than you can handle or more than we can bear. He's actually saying, I actually gave you all the goods that you need to walk through this moment in victory. Aren't you excited about that? Come on, there's so much bad news out there, but we are the people of good news. We're not just preachers of good news, we are good news. Our lives should be walking billboards. of The goodness of God is here. Salvation is here. Healing is here. Miracles are here. I love what John the Baptist preached, and Jesus said, that's so good, I'm going to preach it too. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wasn't talking about something that was coming. He was saying, this is what's here. Healing's at hand. Provision is at hand. Deliverance is at hand. And I believe right now the Lord is coming to stir something up on the inside of us. Because this is our finest hour. Here's the invitation. Will we become the church that God's been dreaming about? Will we become the church of God's dreams? Or should He look for another? Will we become the people that... 
Do you understand that God had a dream and he wrapped you around it? Do you understand that the Lord, from before the foundation of the earth, saw a church called Country Bible Church because you were in the country, you believed the Bible, and you were a church? That became destiny because you had to become more cool in the, in the 2000s. The name was too long, so you had to just cut it short. One name. But before the foundation of the earth, the Lord was saying, I can't wait to show up in 2022 and a church that I've been dreaming about all this time because I know they're going to be my hands, my feet, my mouthpiece. They're going to see what I'm seeing and they're not going to be detoured by it or talked out of it. You know, I love about these stories Scriptures I read to you this morning are quoted to you. The one with the issue of blood, for those 12 years, people tried to talk her out of her miracle. They tried to isolate her. They tried to, you know, mark her, tag her as unclean. But she decided to press through. Jairus risked his reputation because there was only one hope left for him. His name was Jesus. And even his friends, even well-meaning people, even the disciples in the story were trying to talk Jesus out of it. What do you mean who touched you? Let me tell you something. I don't care how anointed somebody is. I don't care how great they can preach or teach. Don't you ever let anybody talk you out of your miracle. Don't, don't let some religious thinking interfere with the fact that God is resolute, that, that he has made up his mind, that he's fully persuaded and convinced that he's ushering you into a miracle season and a miracle year. Does that make sense to you? Well, there, there's a call to action this morning. When I, I believe what I've laid out to you is, is proper perspective. Let, let, let me say this to you. This is a friend's message, not mine, but it, it's really important. Often, I think what happens is this. We, we view end time stuff wrongly. People ask me all the time, David, are we living in the last days? And my answer is yes. We've been living in the last days for over 2,000 years. Jesus told the disciples they were living in the last days. They earnestly expected and believed that they wouldn't leave the earth until Jesus came back. I don't believe it's wrong to expect him to come back. I believe we're closer now than we've ever been. And I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, someday soon. <laughs> Remember that song? But the church doesn't exist that somehow we have this hope that one day, before it gets really too bad, Jesus is going to beam me up, Scotty. Where it's going to get so bad, I begin to, you know... I have a sword in one hand and a suitcase in the other. I think the church is filled with Holy Spirit streakers. Walking around with the helmet of salvation and nothing else. Don't picture that. It will cause you to sin. And it's somehow like, like Lord, okay, I'm going to fight off these demons. Before it gets too bad, please get me out of here. Please come back, Jesus. And we keep saying, come Jesus, and, and Jesus keeps saying, go church. And here's my friend's perspective. 
He said there's a huge difference between thinking the rapture is Jesus coming back on a rescue mission or Jesus coming back to pick up his bride on their wedding day. There's a big difference between thinking Jesus is coming to rescue us or coming to marry us. So, so it's not about protection. It's, it's actually about promise. It's actually about marriage. It's actually about being the bride of Christ. I, I think the church needs to talk a whole lot more about the second coming. I believe the church needs to talk a whole lot more about Jesus coming. I've got good news for you. That Jesus is coming to his church before he comes for his church. I think there's going to be some great moments in the presence of God. But woe be it unto us if we just keep it to ourselves and have good meetings. Without it affecting the world around us. Amen? Amen. So Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for your hand upon this amazing people. Lord, I was sharing with Pastor Dave today that I said, it's interesting, there's places I go, and every time I go, I feel like a guest. And then I said, but there's places like this that I've been coming to, and it just feels like I'm coming home to family. And uh, Lord, I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm praying that, because that's what you've called the house of God to be. A family, a place where you can live and dwell among your people. Lord, I thank you right now that heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. But Lord, you've invited us to build you a house because you want to dwell among us. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor of living in the days that we're living in. Lord, help us to rightfully discern the time and season in the earth that we're in. Come on, I just believe that right now. The Lord is releasing the gift of discernment so that we can rightly discern the time and the season that we're living in. Lord, I thank you for that sons of Issachar anointing coming upon the church. Lord, would you anoint the hands of your people to bring healing? Will you anoint the, the feet of your people to walk in miracles? Will you anoint the lips of your people to prophesy life and light in this season that seems like just so difficult? Lord, I thank you even in the midst of all of the, the weirdness and the badness of man that, Lord, you still call this to release and reveal the goodness of God. Lord, would you saturate this house with your presence that, Lord, out of this season, let there be a sound that comes forth that sets an ambush for the enemy. Lord, I thank you that we're going to see more people come to Jesus than we've ever seen. We're going to reach more people than we've ever reached. We're going to bring more healing than, than we've ever seen or known. Lord, would you stir up evangelism and prophecy and healing and miracles in this house like never before. Lord, I thank you that you're breaking off every anxiety and every fear of the future. Lord, I thank you that you're saying, peace be still. That, Lord, you're drowning every demonic attack. You're drowning every difficulty that we're facing. Lord, in the sea of your peace. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. If you've been in a place that's unsettled, frustrated, anxious, fearful, 
living on understand in unusual times. And you need to experience the peace of God today. Come on right now. He's still saying, peace be still over the storm in your life. If you need that shalom of God, nothing missing and nothing broken. You need the Prince of Peace to step into that circumstance and situation. Would you just stand to your feet right now? Holy Spirit, right now, I thank you. You've not given us a spirit again to fear, but power and love and a sound mind. You said that you would give us the peace that passes all understanding. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that peace isn't just the absence of conflict. It's not just a feeling of tranquility, but it's actually power. It's, it's who you are. Jesus, you are our peace. Lord, you didn't call us to be peacekeepers. You called us to be peacemakers. So, Lord, I release the anointing of the peacemaker upon the house of God this morning. Lord, I thank you that right now, every place that seems rocky, every place that just seems overwhelming, that you're coming to bring life and life to the full. There's a couple kind of in the middle. You have like a white sweater and your husband there has a, the jacket on. And the two of you just right where you're at. I just saw the hand of the Lord coming and I saw him putting like a keychain in your hands and it had key, three keys on it. And I, I felt like the Lord said that I'm about to give you access to my excess. I'm about to give you keys that begin to, to unlock this next season of destiny. But I also felt like the Lord said, I'm going to give you a key that unlocks everything that's been held back. The third key was like a, a treasure chest where you open it up and you just saw the treasures of, of heaven. And I, I felt like it spoke to me about resources, but it was beyond that. I felt like the Lord said that everything that you've been waiting for, it was like I saw the Lord bundling things up and handing it to you. And I just felt like this is a brand new season coming over your life, a brand new season uh, for the two of you, even in your house. And I, I feel like your house... It's going to be a place of gathering. It's going to be a place where healings happen. And so, Lord, I just thank you that, Lord, you've called their house as a house of healing. Lord, for their family, for their friends, for people who may come and gather there. And, Lord, I just thank you right now just for your amazing peace resting over them and us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. had this thought the other day we had a front come through and they were calling for straight line winds and tornadoes and before all of it kind of happened there was just this calm and there's that phrase about the calm before the storm then I saw the Lord flipping it around. He says, is it the, the calm before the storm or did you already just endure the storm before the calm? 
I don't know if this makes sense to some people in the room, but I feel like what you've been walking through has actually been the storm before the calm. It's been the storm before the calm. So Lord, I just thank you right now that you're about to take us from victory to victory, faith to faith and glory to glory. Here's the amazing thing. We like glory and we like faith and we like all of that, but the, the, the two part, the faith to faith, the glory to glory, it's that little word too that's sometimes where the difficulty is. But the Lord's bringing us glory to glory, faith to faith. Lord, on this Sunday morning, would you lead your charge in your house? I feel like this, that there is a really, like the very foundation of this church is apostolic. The very foundation of this church is apostolic to host the presence and to equip people to carry the presence and the person of Jesus, the gifts of the Holy Spirit throughout the region and the earth. And I believe you've been faithful to carry that over these 42 years. But I feel like it's about to come upon you in a greater way than ever before. I, I feel like it's almost like <clears throat> you're about to experience what they experienced in Numbers 29 when everybody started prophesying and they couldn't stop. Because everybody was equipped and everybody was receiving. I just believe that very core of who you are is about to emerge. Like the Lord deposited all that stuff for many years. And although it's been accessible and fruitful throughout the time, that the whole reason you exist is for the moment that we're living in right now. Lord, I thank you for the greatest hours of this church, not being behind, but being in front. You know, that last song of worship today, again, Lord, I just release peace over those that are standing right now. Anxiety, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Fear, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Panic attacks and even being startled in the night. You have to go in the name of Jesus. I woke up uh, early this morning and I, I felt this in my spirit that the Lord wants to heal the effects of long COVID. Like he came through COVID, but it's released all kinds of other different complications. So Lord, I just thank you for that right now. And I feel like the, the residue is, is, is that angst. It is that almost like feeling like you're fighting for breath, especially when in the, sometimes in the middle of the night. And that tormenting thing is ending today in the name of Jesus. It's ending today in the name of Jesus. And that last song we were singing this morning, about where he leans, We'll go where he's called it and we'll say yes immediately. We'll go. It's about obedience, about faith. I feel those two words mark this house. It's a place of great faith and obedience.
I shared this word with ladies yesterday. And I felt like the Lord was about to lavish his love out over this house. And, and I, I felt like the, the, those things that remain, faith, hope, and love, are about to just explode in the house in this season. Lord, I thank you right now for this new day, for this great opportunity, for this new season that we're living in. Come on, if you want to be a part of something, or you want to be a part of the next move of God, can we just, as the people of God, just tell, give God our yes today? We just say, Lord, yes. We say yes to you again, no matter what it costs us. We say, yes, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Just don't do it without us. Lord, do, Lord, we want to be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece. Lord, we want to go where you want us to go. Lord, we say again, yes, Lord, that Lord, we're not going to shrink back from the, the battle or the warfare, but Lord, we're going to press in because we know that you who made the promise is faithful. Lord, I thank you right now for the harvest that we're going to see in Ashby and Elbow Lake, that Lord, we're going to see in Grant County and Douglas County, that Lord, we're going to see in Ottertail County, that Lord, that you've called, uh, Lord, even this Highway 94 to be Highway of holiness, that, Lord, that you would release just the wind of your spirit. Lord, that there come a regional move, Lord, from Fargo and Moorhead. Let it follow, Lord, into Detroit Lakes. Let it flow, God, Lord, into uh, Lord into Ottertail. Let it flow, God, Lord, through uh, these little towns, Lord, into Fergus Falls, Lord. Let it fall from here into Ashby and into uh, into Alexandria, God, Lord. Would you let it flow, Lord, from, the, uh, from out here, Lord. Would you let it flow a couple hundred miles into the cities, Lord. Lord would you come like a mighty rushing wind over the next few weeks and months. Would you clear the air over the state of Minnesota? Lord, would you cause a remnant of righteousness Lord, to rise up, that you would cause the people to return to their roots and to their values of faith. That, Lord, every place of disappointment, that, Lord, that you would break off the chains right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're going to make this state, Lord, a state of miracles and a state of reconciliation. That, Lord, we just declare that the enemy showed his cards over the last two years with division and racism and all of those things. And you're coming to shine light on it. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, there's breakthrough coming out of the Northland. There's breakthrough coming out of central Minnesota. Minnesota, out of northern Minnesota, that, Lord, that you're coming to do something right here in our midst that, Lord, is greater than we've ever seen or known or comprehended. Lord, forgive us where we've limited you. Forgive us, Lord, where we got weary in the waiting and weary in well-doing. Lord, forgive us when we thought that the greatest days of our history were behind us instead of looking forward. Lord, I declare right now that, Lord, it's full steam ahead. Lord, you're telling us right now to celebrate the past, to cherish the present, but to charge into the future. And so, Lord, I thank you for that charge in the spirit. Lord, we're not just holding ground. We're about to take new ground. Lord, I thank you right now. That, Lord, they'll say that there's fire in the night over Ashby. There's fire in the night over Elbow Lake. There's fire in the night, Lord. Lord, over the central uh, valley, over the central Minnesota region, God. That, Lord, I thank you for a bumper crop in the natural that will mark the harvest of, the, of, of what you're doing in the spiritual realm, Lord. I declare right now for families, entire families, to come to know Jesus. Lord, I thank you for an outpouring of your spirit upon the Lutheran church, upon the ELCA, and upon the Missouri Synod and Wisconsin Synod. Lord, I ask that you would crash in, that you would fill the Catholic church, Lord, in this region with your glory, that, Lord, you would awaken, Lord, Bible-believing churches, Lord, the, would you pour out on the Baptist, would you pour out on the charismatic and the Pentecostal, Lord, I thank you right now for this house of pioneers that stood and that wouldn't come off the wall like Nehemiah, they, Lord, they built with burnt stones, and so, Lord, I just declare right now that, Lord, that this is a season and a time that, Lord, you're raising us up. You're raising us up in 
this hour, Lord, for such a time as this. Lord, I do thank you right now for the miracles that you're going to release all over America. Lord, you spoke to me uh, earlier this year. You said we're going to be the United States of a miracle. And Lord, I thank you right now for the miracles that are going to flow through these United States, God. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're about to release a move of your spirit. You're not finished with us yet. That, Lord, we're still called to be a city on a hill. We're still called to fund the gospel and to send missionaries out to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you would light the flame in our hearts once again. That, Lord, that you would stir us up. That, Lord, you would release that Mark 5 anointing upon this church. That we would be deliverers. That we would be willing to cross over to the other side. God, we keep our eyes on the presence of God. We understand we've never been this way before. And so we keep our eyes fixed upon you. And we say, Lord, we want to go where you. we, we trust you. We trust that we can walk with the one who walks on the water, God. And, Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, you would release an increase of faith. I felt like this. The Lord is drawn to your purity of heart, but he's also called you in this house to be bold and courageous. I feel like that call that was upon, that the Lord put upon Joshua where he said, be bold and courageous. I feel like the anointing men and women, people of a different spirit who think differently, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, in this season of walking into promise and promised land, Lord, we're not expecting there to be no giants, but, Lord, we ask that you would give us faith to take the giants down. Lord, I pray right now that you wouldn't just deliver us, but you would make us deliverers. I feel deliverance in the room. I feel like the Lord is delivering the church. I'm not just saying, I'm not specifically saying this church, but I believe right now the Lord is setting the church of Jesus Christ free from apathy. Lord, right now, Lord, where we've settled when you've called us to be pioneers, forgive us. Lord, would you release, would you strike the irons of that pioneering spirit, that apostolic spirit, Lord, upon the house and upon your people again. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a prophetic question for you before I give it over this morning. Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to go there? The Lord invited Abram to leave everything he knew, to go where he didn't know. And he only knew that it was called there. Sometimes you have to realize that what if your there is here? We have to make up our mind, are we willing to go there? There's probably no more powerful yes that a believer can say other than the name of Jesus, other than yes. Yes is probably the most powerful word a believer can say other than the name of Jesus. So I believe over this weekend the Lord's reminded and released some prophetic promises. And I'm just wondering as we get ready to transition this morning, will you just say yes? Come on, will you really mean it? Will you just say yes? Lord, we say yes to what you have. We say yes, Lord. And we don't understand it. Lord, I thank you for the excitement to discover it again. The excitement to discover it again. Lord, I thank you for all the people that are going to come from all around. There's going to be a phenomenal move.
in this region. People are going to come from all around. I'm not talking about sustained meetings and years of revival. I'm talking about people are going to, some people are going to come and get equipped and take off. Lord, I thank you for that Antioch grace and gift upon the house. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.